TV Campfire Podcast. I was like, yep, okay, so you win for the week. <laughs> <laughs> We're here. I hate to sound like a broken road. Oh, no! <laughs> We're fans. It's one of the best things on television. Oh! oh! All right, we got you a hold of Oh, no, you didn't. We talk TV. That was the best scene ever. Like, All that right, blew I'll- me away. It was absolutely amazing. I just couldn't believe it. Welcome to the show. This is podcast number 504, and I'm Libya, your host. And this week, we have returning guests. Hi, this is Tom, and I teach communication and media studies at Palm Beach Atlantic University in Florida. Hi, this is Yusun, costume designer and TV enthusiast from Los Angeles. Hey, this is Peter. I write for Why So Blue and live in Hollywood. Hi, this is Allison, and I write reviews for Weedonopolis. All right, let's start off with the news. First up, uh, the Bull showrunner has been asked to leave because of a toxic work environment. Though, and Rodriguez. Well, my thing is, technically speaking, the guy who's the lead of Bull has been accused of stuff. And why is the show renewed at all? Like, I feel like this was the perfect opportunity to just throw it all out. Eliza Dushku settled for $9 million. I know. But that's my point. If you're paying because, money for... Oh, they're trying to get their $9 million back? Is that what you're saying? Well, not only that, but remember, Les Moonves was still head of CBS before he got bounced because of Me Too. But... I'm like, why is... why is uh, I forgot his name. Well, why, is Michael, he, why is he immune to this? Because he's the reason that CBS had to pay $9 million. Because the show makes a lot of money. Because the show's a hit. Is it Whatever. really? Yeah, it, it is. It is, it's, but people dig that crap. Yeah, I guess I just I never hear anyone talk about it. So, well, you're hanging with us, so there you go. Well, next, that's true. Next Quality piece. people. <laughs> Thank you. Next piece of news. On a similar note, Sky has canceled Bulletproof after Noel Clark's uh, sexual misconduct allegations. Uh, good on a good news front. Uh, Dave Filoni has been promoted to executive creative director of Lucasfilm. Dot dot dot. Last year, last year. <laughs> so, but we just heard about it like this week. So everybody's like, "Oh my god, he got promoted!" And they were like, "Oh yeah, we just didn't update our our website." But it basically what that means is what we all suspected, which is he's basically in charge, the creative director of Star of all the Star Wars things. So everything like he's the mastermind on top. And all the Star Wars stuff has to go through him, which makes me feel way better because he, I feel like he knows what he's doing. So I'm really happy with that. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine's final season will premiere in August. Uh, Wheel of Time has been renewed for season two as season one wraps. And uh, Schwarzenegger has a spy series that is a go at Netflix. And I was like, so what is that? What was that his spy movie he did? Was it not True Calling? True, True Lies, thank you. So I was like, is this like True Lies, but, you know, he's old? It's a father and daughter thing. That's what True Lies was. But that was a that was a husband-wife thing. But he had a daughter. Yeah, yeah. The, I mean, the daughter played by Eliza Dushku. Right. Why they didn't actually just do a True Lies series with him, and Dushku's available, and Curtis is available... You'd think that would be a slam dunk. Yeah, anyway, that seems weird. All right, uh, Vampire Academy has been ordered to series by Peacock with E.P. Julie Plack, and I'm like, really? We're just going to stay with vampires? And Marguerite McIntyre, who played Sheriff Liz Forbes. 
But still, we're just hanging. We're just vampires. Just staying with the vampires. Okay, sure. <laughs> uh, Superman animated series uh, starring Jack Quaid is a go at HBO Max. Uh, and All Bat Network. Oh, we got move from the Cartoon Network. It's going to be on both. Oh, it's going to be on both. Okay, thank you. It is uh, younger. And then Batman animated series uh, with executive producer J.J. Abrams is a go at HBO Max as well. And, and Bruce Tim. I don't know who Bruce Tim is. Bruce Tim is the guy who. The oh, did the original Batman? Yes, yes, yes right. that is important. Good point. Um, Evil and Seal Team have officially moved to Paramount Plus. So I guess that's like the alternative. I feel like if your show is on a bubble and they don't know whether they should cancel you or not, they just move you over to Paramount Plus. Although SEAL Team's going to air four episodes on CBS before switching over. Don't ask. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then Project Greenlight Revival at HBO Max will be hosted by Issa Rae. Yeah. And that's all the news I have. Go ahead, Tom. Okay. Uh, ABC, Greg German has exited Grey's Anatomy ahead of the finale. Uh, CBS, NCIS Hawaii has cast Noah Mills, who was recently in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. CW is launching Saturday nights this fall, so for the first time, they will be programming seven nights. They'll be like a real network. <laughs> um, Disney Plus has greenlit Hocus Pocus 2 with Bette Midler, Jared Jessica Parker, and Kathy Najimy, and it will be out in October 22. Uh, Fox has picked up a bunch of stuff. The Resident for season five, nine one one, also for season five. Lone Star for season three. Morris Chestnut has been cast in Our Kind of People, and he will step down to recurring on The Resident. Uh, the big news last week, which it's taken me a while to wrap my head around it, AT and T is spinning off Warner Media to form a new company with Discovery. If the deal goes through, AT&T shareholders will own 71% of the new company, and Discovery shareholders will own 29% of the new company. Okay, why? What, what's the advantage of this? Basically, it's AT&T's, oops, we shouldn't have tried to get into a, the content business, kind of like when AOL owned Time Warner all those years ago. So it's really strange and complicated. Um, HBO Max with ads will launch next month. It'll cost 10 bucks and will not include day-and-date movies. Uh, HBO Max has hired the Batgirl directors, uh, Adil El Arby and Bilal Falah, who did Bad Boys for Life, and it's going to go straight to HBO Max. Uh, Green Lantern is, iron, is eyeing Jeremy Irvine to play Alan Scott. Sarah Ramirez has been cast in And Just Like That, which is the official title of the Sex and the City revival. Uh, Kumal Nanjiani is going to play Chippendale's founder in an eight-episode limited series for Hulu, and Hulu is launching the Onyx Collective, which is a curated brand from creators of color and underrepresented voices. Netflix has cast Jenna Ortega, who played the young Jane the Virgin in that show, to play the lead role in Wednesday, the Wednesday Addams series. And TBS is launching Friday Night Vibes, a movie showcase with host Tiffany Haddish and wraparound segments with her and guests. And that debuts on June 18th with Creed and Creed 2. Wait, what? What does that got to do? Okay, I'm confused. Friday Night Vibes movie showcase. It's gonna, Oh, it's like, okay, I understand what you mean. Movies. But they're gonna they're gonna kind of you know class it up a little bit like TCM by having a host and guests and then movies. 
Mm, I'm not There's, interested. I just want to see my movie. Blur. I mean, if you look at Fox's fall schedule, it almost looks like a basic cable network because they've got reality and wrestling and football. Or did you say seven. wrestling? I did say wrestling. <laughs> All right, let's start off with the shows. First up, we're going to talk about the, it's not even the season finale, It's let's call it the mid-season finale of The Nevers, and episode six was mind-blowing. Like, your mind, this is your mind on drugs, this is your mind on The Nevers, it's very similar. Um, So we start (laughs) off, like, way in the future in a dystopian post-apocalyptic world, and it's very confusing, especially if you t- tuned in and thinking you were going to see um, corsets and whatnot. Uh, <laughs> I had this moment of going, wait, what? And huh? then and, and then I was like, you know, you check. You're like, yeah, it says I'm watching The Nevers. Okay. And then I was just like, all right, let's, let's see where we're going. Um, and I really, really appreciated uh claudia black's performance like oh, at yeah. first i was just like wait is that claudia black like i had that moment because they mm-hmm. they did a lot where they didn't show her face at the very very beginning and they would show it in profile and then she wouldn't speak and then i was like wait that is claudia black right uh and then once she actually got into it and started going for it it was amazing like her and what's her laura donnelly is her name they matched up their performances so well they absolutely felt like the same person and i read the behind the scenes story and they talked about how they did it and it's really impressive and i I, like i there was no moment where i did not believe that the two actresses were playing the exact same character and i like that they split it up into four chapters uh go ahead uh you said what'd you say uh, I just wanted to say, um, keep going. I just wanted to say, and the uh, uh, Amalia's accent was great. Her American accent, yeah, which can you know sketchy with the British. The, <laughs> people make fun of um, Americans, you know, doing a British accent, but I have heard some atrocious British accents. Yes, that's true. Um, you know what I mean? And, and so then what's really even thought... harder is she did a bad British accent. She did like a bad yeah, American she, British she, accent, which I which I feel like is really hard to do. She was amazing because she actually did, she's got like five different accents. When I was watching her behind the scenes, her real life accent is completely different from the accent that she uses as Amalia. Right. And, And then she had to do the American accent on top of that. And then she had to do Molly's accent which is, you know, very this, different, this Cockney yeah, girl accent. And then on on top of that she had to do the the American or Canadian rather. I think she's supposed to be Canadian trying to learn how to do an upper crust British accent, which again was hysterical. But I mean, she's I mean, it was brilliant just the, Well, the I I'd like to point out every uh, single one. Claudia Black amazing. is Australian. So she it was trying me to very do very much of the orphan black the lead. One. I forgot her name. Tatiana Maslany. Yeah. yeah, she yeah, was, she's like it, it was just so believable and organic and 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 as Allison said so multifaceted or whatever. I I just think she is uh, clearly her and the other woman are the leads. But but what I mean is, like, this whole thing, we love Nevers for many reasons, but it is so good because of her acting. It takes it to just absolute 
you know, perfect level. And I think, you know, the show would be good, very good slash great anyway, but it's so compelling to watch because of her acting. And I think this episode just brought it all home. I just want to, I just, just, finish my some of my yeah, thoughts which I, I was, is i love a good origin story yeah. so um i think that the show uh we all agree that it's good it's great uh but i think uh that it's superb it just takes it to another level we all agree that the leads are amazing but amalia i forgot her real name um uh, is absolutely amazing and her you know her ability to i don't know if i said this already uh you know to do so convincingly organically enthusiastically uh the accent uh and be able to really emote through all of that it's so it's so powerful it's so compelling um i think that the show uh also does an amazing job of um you know, showing us continually the power of women, how powerful they can be, but in a way that's not necessarily what we're used to in terms of the masculine energy. Um, So for me, I think that the show... Also, for me, I love a good origin story. You guys know that. So um, I, I thought that it was it was so disorienting in the beginning. But, uh, you know, when she I had heard the actress talk about how if you hang in there, episode six will reveal everything. It'll explain it. So as disorienting as it was, I give them amazing props because it was tied in beautifully. Everything was explained, um, you know, and it was it was explained so well. But also what they told us and everything was amazing. So well, I, I was it. Yeah, I was just going to say uh, off of that is they ch- totally changed the scope of the show yeah. with this one yeah. episode in a way yeah. that really blew my mind because you think you're watching a show that's like, I think Tom has called it the women of Aven- X-Men or the X-Women or whatever. Um, and I thought that was like, oh, we're watching X-Women back in old timey times. And I thought that was what it was. And this episode was like, oh, no, this is not what you're watching. And I was like, wow, that really blew me away. And Tom, go ahead. What you, you haven't talked yet. No, I thought it was I, – I adore Claudia Black. So you <laughs> <laughs> start with Claudia Black, even though it was a little disorienting, I'm like, okay, obviously they're going somewhere. And she looks a little bit enough like Amalia. So when they do the big – you know, when they do the soul migration or whatever you want to call it at the very end – that's when it's like, aha. So and we know where she got her fighting powers. Yeah, it was. It was interesting. Well, her fighting skills, at least, because That's the thing I, that I thought was interesting was that you know, because we've been wondering, well, what is her superpower? Is it that she has these amazing, you know, is is she super strong or whatever? And actually, no, she was dumped into this tiny little body, and she and we saw her having to work to to, to build it up. To, build up the muscles and build up her strength so that she could actually, you know, hope to do what she had spent previously. By the way, I thought that was hilarious that she kept talking about the fact that she was so tiny. She was like, what do I need, a stepladder? What's going on? I can't even see over a shelf. Like, it was really funny. And I was like, is Claudia Black that tall? Like She is pretty tall. Okay, because I was cracking up. It was just so funny. But go ahead, Tom. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you. But um, when they, when they gave the origins, that's when all the connective tissue starts to gel, and it, it was interesting seeing you know having the one segment with the real Amalia, and then realizing that when she comes out of the water, the soul, uh, Claudia Black's soul has been, has been has uh, migrated to that body. Um, I thought it was great. Usually, I'm not a fan, and X Files did this all the time where they do a two parter, and then you start part two 
in a completely different place from where part one ended. This didn't annoy me though, because it's like, trust us, we're we're doing something with this. You know, wait for it. We're gonna get back where we left off, and they did. So it was great. Oh, uh, Peter, you I haven't. Think... I was gonna. Peter hadn't spoken. I, I haven't said anything. Oh, either. sorry. Go ahead. So, that's kind of why I signed on. Um. Anyway, I. I what I thought was so fantastic about this particular episode was not just that they answered a ton of questions. I mean, things like, you know, that we have been wondering about, like when she, she leaned into the knife and said, this isn't my face. And now that makes perfect sense, you know, and that's, so it answers questions like that, but it also brings up a whole series of new questions and expands what we have been looking at. And and so it's like, yes, we have this answered, but I don't feel like, you know, folding my tent and going, okay, well, now I know this is about now so I can stop watching. It's like there's, but it brings up all sorts of other things. And it's just, you know, it, it just made it more fascinating and more deep and and complicated. So I, I loved every minute of, of this episode and all the performances, you know, we were talking about Laura Donnelly and Claudia Black, who were, you know, they were, as as usual, fantastic. But really, everyone brought their A-game to this. This was this was a, a fantastic episode for pretty much everybody. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just think that this going forward is a show that I, I've gone from being interested in, you know, in a kind of vague way, to really engaged in to now totally obsessed with (laughs) yeah i mean this is this is like you know i need my nevers um and now you have to wait a year pretty much well they say they say that they're going to try to get part two um to start screening like the end of this year i think that's being overly optimistic but uh you know they i know that they start uh they they start uh, filming again next month so that's good to know. So at least you know we're going to we're going to be getting some more of the nevers in in not too long a time. All right, so that's that's nice. Uh, Peter, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, just quickly, I don't really have much to add. I mean, I pretty much agree with everything everyone said. I, I you know I'm also a big fan of Claudia Black, and so I was I thought that whole first. I mean, it's as I recall, it's like 20 minutes. It's yeah. not like a 10 minute opening. It's like it's a yeah. It is a big portion of the episode. Um, I guess the only other thing I would say is I thought they did a pretty good job of like showing the woman who died, the woman who basically kills herself, seeing at least a part of her life and where she was. And then I really liked where we see what you guys had said that like um, once Claudia Black is in the body and she's in the institution, we see like how she has to work hard to get, you know, to get the the accent and all these kind of things down so that she can be in the world. And of course, unfortunately, has to throw Sarah under the bus, which is like, <laughs> you know, Malady. Like, which totally makes sense now, like with why Malady is so pissed. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think the last thing I would say was I thought it was a pretty good, um, because I don't think this was this was not intentionally supposed to be the finale because of the pandemic and everything. I thought this was a kind of an interesting way to go out because they, if I, if I had a just tiny, my only tiny thing about this show, I, I like the show a lot. My only tiny 
issue is I don't find the villains very interesting. And I've always thought that like Whedon, Espenson, and uh, you know, I, I've always thought that those people are pretty good with bad guys. So I thought this was interesting because this episode, which isn't really a finale, but this last episode, it doesn't really fix the villain problem, but it introduces so much more new stuff that's interesting that it puts that on the back burner for me. So it doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother me that, that Lavinia and then the old English guy, I still don't think that they're that interesting. It's like, it's like, well, yeah, there's so much more now. Um, so that's fine. That, but, but, but yeah, I thought it was terrific. I, I, I pretty much, it was a, it was a really good episode and it, you know, you know, the only sad part now is I probably, you know, we have to wait till 2022. Um, but, uh, yeah, thumbs up. All right. Uh, so let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about the mayor of Easttown. Not the mayor, but mayor. Is it like a horse? That's her name. Oh, okay. But it's a playoff of the word mayor. Right. Yes. Go ahead. What did you guys think? This um, was a, start. This was a, a a pretty wild episode because we start with her finally opening up to her therapist about the fact that her that her son committed suicide and her father had previously committed suicide. So she kind of wonders: is there something genetic in it? And then she has her date with um, the young cop played by the dude from uh, X Men and Evan uh, Peters. From with Evan Peters. And then they, he, he gets mad because she just she just went out with him to try to get more information since she's officially off the case. But then they have another meetup, and he confides in her that he didn't really solve that big case, that it was a retired detective who ended up getting uh, ha- uh, succumbing to Alzheimer's, but he was going through this detective's notes and found all the clues he needed to solve the case. And then they, they finally start working together, and they figure out that there's a van, a mysterious van that shows up Long story short, they've tracked, they start doing old-fashioned detective work, find the suspicious, you know, the owner, the suspicious owner of the blue van, and then Evan Peters takes one in the forehead. So it's like, whoa! <laughs> and then then Mare's got to fight off the bad guy herself and rescue the girls, the kidnapped girls. So it was, it was a great episode. Oh, and in between, the neighbor, the neighbor lady, the, the obnoxious older neighbor lady had passed. And at the wake, the husband announced he had an affair with Mayor's mom, played by Gene Smart. <laughs> so, so this episode, I mean, it goes from, you know, psychological depth to, you know, to kind of a date to, you know, a little bit of humor and then a very serious confrontation and the loss of Evan Peters. What do you think, uh, Peter? Yeah, pretty much. I agree. I I thought that absolutely. Um, I'm really glad that Jean Smart has had this revival where uh, it seems like everyone's really appreciating her, and we'll get to her with hacks. Um, but yes, she well, has this one. She has this one moment where yes, it is, comes out that she had the affair with this uh, person whose wife just passed away, and it's a it is just the right amount of levity um, <laughs> if, in a in a show like Mayor of Easttown. Um, but one thing that I'm I'm invested in, in that, like, you know, it's only a seven episode run. So that was episode five, I think. So I think there's two left. And when I was telling Libya about this show, you know, Libya was like, ah, you know, I've seen a lot of these like dead girl in a small town. And and I agree. I was like, no, I know it is like a thing that's done. One of the things that Libya told me was I was like, oh, well, the, the story is that basically Kate Winslet's character 
there was a woman who there's a a, a, a girl who missed who disappeared a year ago which was her one of her good friend's daughter and they never found her and now they find this other girl is like they find her dead body and Libya's response was like well because of the design of these shows it's clearly connected so I had gone in being like well yeah okay so this is clearly connected it's not connected because we've now caught the bad guy who basically was putting these girls in cages I'm I don't think that's related at all like Peter you you miswatched one of the two girls she rescued is her friend's daughter Oh, no, 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 I know that. No, okay. no, 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 What I'm saying is, so the person who abducted the girl from a year ago and then that new girl, I don't think has anything to do with Aaron, the girl who shot yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she has nothing to do with the dead girl from who died. Correct. That, oh, that's all I'm saying, which okay. is which is pretty good. Like, I was like, oh, okay, that's good. Um, but, yes, and, of course, I was. it was a great it – was, it's a good shock with um, Evan Peters being shot in the head. But yeah. of course, I'm sad because I was like, "Oh, I really like that character." Like, um, but uh, yeah, yeah, and it and it was really tense for uh, the for for Mayor to to you know figure out how to beat this person like who has a gun and and she had no weapon and everything. Like, yeah, it was a really pretty powerful ending. Um, so yeah, I'm excited. Only two left. All right. Any other thoughts before we move on? Nope. All right. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about. The season finale of uh, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. And I kind of tapped out about three episodes ago, so I have no comments whatsoever. So you guys tell me what you thought of the finale and why I should jump back on that train. Go. Um, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, base, the, the, the first season finale kind of left me wanting to put a bullet in my brain. It was so depressing. And this was the antithesis of that. I, when this was over, I was practically dancing around the room. It was, it was so good and so happy. And uh, it, it just, it, it just kind of wrapped you up in this joyful feeling, which I, I really, I really loved. And it, it also settled a bunch of things, you know, like the, the, the triangle from hell has finally been resolved and resolved in a good way. You know, I mean, it's like nobody walked away feeling horrible and bad. And, you know, um, in fact, I love the choice of, the, of, of songs that Simon got, which was I'm still standing, basically. I'm so glad I'm out of this relationship. Thank you. Um, so I was, you know, that that was great. But, you know, the, the, the little thing at the end, um, you know, spoiler here, that that when you know zoe finally declares her her feelings and and max declares his he for the first time shares her superpower um, oh that's right was that was fantastic and i don't know how far that's going to go is it just going to be you know he can he can hear her or he can hear things when she's around or he fully has her superpower now um, in the same way that she does. So, the, you know, I guess next year we're going to have to find out how where that goes. But it was a wonderful scene. And, and it, it, you know, one of the things that I think was, was starting to bother me with the show is that, and, and was starting to bother her as a character, is that she's all alone with this superpower. She has no one to share this with. And now she does. And, and so that was great. And the, the, they had a wonderful dream sequence with her and her father 
where where they get to sing and dance together one last time and all of that was beautiful just ev- everything that they did with this particular episode just was running on all cylinders it just it just ticked off all the checks all the boxes and um you know if you, if you felt like you you fallen out of the show cuz it was kind of meandering around i would say get back into it and and definitely see the the finale because it's so worth watching it really is and it makes are me excited just, for next year are we the only two that have seen it allison i saw it oh okay tom do you want to go yeah i liked it i didn't love it i mean i think part of it is for me she never she never really committed to a relationship with simon she never told him the truth Mm-hmm. opportunity to so for me it felt a little disingenuous that they never you know because he he basically can almost confronted her you know it's almost like you're in my mind and then she just laughed it off so i i just thought that it was you know and i read an article where you know austin the, the austin winsberg basically said that before he and his wife got married they did take a break and he kind of patterned Max and Zoe off of his relationship. So yeah, it was okay. I don't know. I, I still kind of, <laughs> I, I still, I, I still don't really appreciate that. She kind of dogged Simon out. Let, let's face it. Zoe and Max may look cute together, but they're kind of boring and vanilla together. That is, I agree with that entirely. Now, now, now that I know that that's the couple, I'm kind of even less interested in going back. I was thinking that, Libya, when, when Allison said that, I was like, oh, Libya's not going to be happy about that. <laughs> nope. Uh, that is Tom, not the ship I was shipping. I, I, I'll, I'll jump on both of what you guys were going to say, because, Tom, I, I do kind of agree with you. I mean, it didn't affect me as much as it clearly affected you, simply because I kind of loved that Simon made the choice. Like, that was my problem. You guys know that I've had a problem with this, this triangle, you know, this whatever. Um, and, and not even the dynamics of it, just her. I feel like she was being unfair to everybody. And she was a bit of a spoiled, eat my cake and want it too kind of a thing. So I like that the way they made it happen was that Simon was the one that pulled the ripcord. You know what I mean? And so it gave him, like, the power. Um, uh, so, you know, for me, I was like, that's right, you break up with her. She did, she did you wrong. You know what I mean? So, like, you go find something better so i liked that so it made me like that better um as far as i just want to go i just want to echo what allison said um i understand why they ended last season the way they did i mean it's so the whole season was about him slowly wasting away and you know and again i agree with uh allison in a way i just felt like whoa they just kind of it was like emotional abuse i just was like this is too much i had to pause i think i fast forward which i never do um so, uh, so, but for me, the two seasons worked beautifully together. It was like, you know, I don't know how many episodes each season is. I don't know if it's a full 22, but, but for me, the, you know, the whole trajectory of, of the immediacy of the grief, you know, and then the journey back, you know, and then the song that, like you said, Allison, that song was so joyous. The dream sequence she had with her father, you know, about life and love and joy. And I just was like, yes you know, do it, come back, you know? And so I, so that was really beautiful. Um, I loved, I'll just talk about this because no one mentioned it. It was adorable when, um, oh, her best friend, I forgot everybody's names now. Um, Mo, when she comes, Mo? Oh, right, Mo, she comes pounding on the door, you know? And the boyfriend opens the door and he's like, what, you know? And she's like, don't even start. She's like, you have kids, I have her. 
So like, you know, that was adorable. And then when, you know, they were talking about racing off to the airport, you know, she was like, you know, oh, you don't have to come, whatever. And she's like, are you crazy? I've been living through all of this with you. I want to see how this ends. So that was very sweet. They involved everybody. I love the, 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 it's been hit or miss for me with the songs they've kind of chosen, but Allison made reference to this a week or two ago about how um, the group numbers are just really, really great. And I love how they're blending a lot of people into one song. I mean, it's not like they haven't done it before, but so the song choices this episode were so spot on. And then the last thing I will say is I love the way they looped in uh, him. Like, I don't know if they had plotted this the whole time or, or when they decided or how, but the main problem between the two of them, Max and Zoe, has been that he's been complaining, rightfully so, that she knows what he's thinking all the time. And that was like a huge impasse in their relationship. And I also, as a viewer, was kind of like, yeah, that really isn't like hard for them. I don't know how they're going to get over that. So and I was like, I don't I don't think I could be in a relationship like that. And then they solved that by him being like, well, guess what? I can hear you sing now, too. You know, so I thought, oh, nicely done. So, yeah, I thought it was a wonderful way to end uh, this season, but also the full journey of the loss and recovery and whatever. Um, as a whole, two seasons, I thought it was really, really well done. Yeah, I agree. And and also, you know, um, as far as the, the relationship with Simon goes, like you said, he was the one who pulled the ripcord, so he's the one who ended up with the power. And he pointed out something interesting, which was that, you know, they pretty much were just sharing grief. That's what they had in common. Um, and and when when they were getting over that, that ceased to be a connection between them. And uh, you know the fact that that Zoe wouldn't share her her secret with him was another thing that was keeping them apart. So that they were they were just never really you know destined together. He's certainly not off the show, and I'm really interested to see what they do with him as a character going off on his own character threats. Because I don't think, you know, they're going to, to lessen his his input in the show just because he's not dating Zoe. No, so, and they gave him that whole storyline about, about the, you know, uh, the empowering of the, um, the, uh, the, the group, that shoot-off group that they purchased, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's um, in charge of that now. Yeah, so. in charge, yeah, that's what I mean. So I feel like that's a great place for them to keep going, you know what I mean? He'll, he'll have a lot of storylines there. Yeah, so we got we got to wrap this up. Um, I take it that most of you guys liked it. I'm probably not back in. I'm probably not coming back to this show. Because um, they didn't, from what you explained, they didn't resolve half my issues with it. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. Next up, we're going to talk about Hacks. And I'm not sure how many episodes we want to talk. Uh, we haven't talked about it yet. But right. we at least will talk about the first two, right? Everybody seen yep. the first two? All right, so this show is on HBO Max, and they've been dropping two episodes at a time. They're half hour, starring Gene Smart, and I don't know who the redhead girl is. Does anybody know her name? Yeah. Uh, and I don't think I care, Hannah, honestly. Hannah, it's so. a Hannah Eden, Eden. It's Lorraine Newman's daughter. Lorraine oh. Newman's a big Saturday Night Live actress, so this is her daughter. I did oh, not wow. know that. Uh, but the premise of the show is really on the surface. I, it does not sound like a show I would watch, but I really like Gene Smart. So I was like, fine, I'll, I'll give it a chance. And they had me hooked on the pilot. Like I was, I was in and it's just the concept of Gene Smart is not even an over the hill comedian. Like she's still famous and she still has all these, these, uh, 
Las Vegas shows, and she's still making a lot of money, and she lives in a mansion. But she's kind of at the end of her career, and you have this young 20-something millennial who did a did a tweet they don't what i liked is they don't tell you at the beginning what the tweet was at all other than she's been canceled because of whatever she said so that when you get to the end and you find out what it is the payoff is actually pretty good like especially uh i love gene smart's reaction so when she tells her what the tweet was she was like oh your problem was it wasn't funny she was like if it had been funny you wouldn't have had an issue (laughs) 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 which is so great um, but neither one of them come off as particularly likable, but I found that I was invested in Jean Smart much quicker. Like I cared more about her and what she was going through. And she does come off as mean, but there's something that's sympathetic. There's something about her that you as the audience, you feel sympathy for her. So I, I, I was in, but especially like at the end and they start doing the joke together because the whole thing is... She's been canceled. She can't get a job in Hollywood, and so she has to come work for Gene Smart to help her write jokes. And they do not get along initially. And I love the bit at the end when they start like vibing off each other and actually coming up with a really good joke. And that's kind of how the pilot ends. And I was like, "All right, I'm in. I'm on the show." Uh, I want to start with Peter because he's the one that convinced me to watch it. So um, I tweeted about this. Um, the first two episodes and uh, yeah, I like it a lot. And one of the things is, I don't know if fans of the show know this, but I think, I think Libya does. Libya, I think, you know, one of my favorite movies is Sunset Boulevard. Sure. Let's say I do. So to me, Hacks is, I think an interesting kind of, kind of modern update on a Sunset Boulevard. No, like, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the the girl isn't dead in a pool in the beginning. That's true. But it is very much a, you know, it's a generational thing where you have a person who is, you know, so famous and so rich and, and, and maybe out of touch. And then you have another person who is cocky about their own skills because they're a writer and writing is what's important. And, and in this, it's comedy. I also think that relocating it from Hollywood to Vegas is a really good idea. I'm not saying this is a one-to-one Sunset Boulevard, so somebody might be like, well, in Sunset Boulevard, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not saying it's exactly that. Like, But I'm saying it's enough of a jumping-off point that I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool idea. That like, And I have no idea. But I would I would be surprised if the creators of the show have never heard of Sunset Boulevard. That would, that would be a, a shock to me. Um, and I know one of the co-writers of the show, I forgot his name, but he's, ba- he's her agent. Remember, they're both sharing... So basically the characters are both sharing the same agent. That guy is one of the big writers of the show. And he also worked on Broad City, uh, which I also liked. Um, but yes, the main thing to me is like, I would agree with Livia. I love Gene Smart. I am more in Gene Smart's corner. Um, but I mean, I think they do a pretty good job of seeing how terrible both characters, how toxic both characters can be. And some of my favorite moments of, of the episode, there's only been four episodes that have aired so far, is strangely the characters bicker a lot, but then there's these moments where it's kind of just the two of them alone and they have like, there's like a, a mind connection where they, they understand each other and it's nice. I'm not saying it's like super, super 
saccharine or whatever, but it's a nice thing. It's like, it's nice to see these two women, completely different generations, have a connection, even if the world around them has all these other issues and everything. Um, and I really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm Again, I can't imagine if you don't like Jean Smart, you wouldn't like this, because it's a really great tour de force for her. But I would say that Hannah, I'm so sorry, I don't remember her last name. I think she's really good. I've never seen her in anything before, but I think she's a, she, you know, she gives as much as she gets. Um, and that's what I got to say. All right, Tom. I love this show. And uh, Gene Smart's character is loosely is loosely inspired by aspects of the late Joan Rivers' life. So that becomes more apparent in a future episode, which we won't spoil. Um, the funniest joke in the pilot, though, which I actually read a thing about, and look, oh my gosh, in the in one of her monologues in Vegas, she's talking about. I, I slept with this guy once who always kept his shirt on because his boobs were bigger than mine. And at the very end of episode one, she's talking to the assistant of Christopher McDonald, the owner of the hotel where she does her act. And she tells his assistant, you know, he keeps his shirts on his shirt on when he's having sex. It's like, oh, oh I didn't even catch that. I didn't catch brilliant, that. Brilliant. But no, this this show. For me, Jean Smart is like bacon for television. She makes everything she's on better, whether it's Watchmen, whether it's Mayor of Easttown, and whether it's this show, which it's great that she's not a supporting character, that she is the lead of the show. And it's just, it's funny, it's smart, and there's what's interesting is we can see, we one of the reasons we kind of sided with Jean Smart's character is we can see that part of the way she is why she who she is is because all the she's had to put up with right and again i'm not gonna spoil anything in a future episode but yeah love 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 this show full disclosure one of my former students is an associate producer on it so callie miller oh, hey. <laughs> um, i i want to i want to jump in because uh because i want to i want to well, anyway um i i want to say from the get-go I am a fan of Gene Smart. Um, I do like the show. I, I binged all four episodes. However, I do not, it's not a pretentious show. Um, I do not think that it is as funny or smart um, as it thinks it is. And it's not as powerful or poignant as I would like it to be. Um, I understand all the notes. I understand, you know, what we're supposed to feel, why we're supposed to feel them. Some scenes work better than others. I feel very strongly that the show works only because Gene Smart is so watchable and so, you know, brings that undercurrent of, of you know, not a Cruella Deville kind of a, you know, a, she's not a, a mustache twirling villain. I mean, it, it it goes very close to it. And I was kind of like, wow, she is so, they're playing her and she's acting so unlikable. And I knew that it wouldn't stay there if the show was of any quality. But I think, Libya, you, you, you mentioned it. The first like 10 minutes, I thought, there is no way I'm going to watch these negative Nancys or whatever, you know, just whining about their lives uh, at different ends of the spectrum of, you know, their lives. One struggling and poor, blah, blah, blah. One super rich, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, of course, they're going to find commonality and they're going to bond and up with women and stuff. So again, like I said, I understand the, you know, I, but, and I'm willing to give it a chance, but if it didn't have Gene Smart, which absolutely, I love my bacon. So I love my, you know, Gene Smart bacon. Uh, absolutely. But I think, 
you guys definitely liked it way more than me, but I enjoyed it. I just, I'm waiting for it to be a little bit less because the thing with the daughter, you know, uh, could have, should have been, I think, a little bit more poignant. And it just seemed, I we, we haven't used this word in a long time. I think I'm the first one today trophy you know <laughs> with the, you know it was seemed very tropey the daughter of a rich famous person i was like great you know so none of it i haven't seen before i think i and i hate using this word i think that gene smart brings a classiness to the show um use that word however you want take that word however you want so yeah i think it's a solid solid show i just i actually want it to be better and i hope it gets better but i will still watch it it's still a good show and there's enough to keep me in it but i i definitely think i'm a little less enthusiastic than all of y'all all right well let's move on uh i think we're, we're overall giving it a thumbs up and sure. sideways next up we're gonna talk about bob hartel abishola and i feel like this was the season finale right it feels I like it because it gave yeah, yeah, out to big but, to be continued i mean i i felt like Abishola should have seen this coming because when, he did. yeah, when, when he's like, I want to take him home to do, I was like, what's going to make him bring him back? Like that was my immediate first thought, but this guy came off as a jerk from the beginning. And I don't know why she thought he was just gonna send him back. The only thing I was a little disappointed in is Dele just seemed like, a, a wet rag like he didn't have an opinion one way or the other he was like okay well my dad wants me to say so i guess i'll stay my mom wants me to come i guess i'll do that i'm like seriously dele what the heck like we've spent all season getting dele to come into his own and have his own opinion and say he has a girlfriend and talk about the fact that he wants to dance and so he's been asserting himself all season, so then when you end the finale with him just being like, well, Dad wants me to stay, so I guess I'll stay. Like, what? Like, come on. So I was more disappointed in that than anything else. Like, everything else I felt was super predictable. I, it was by the numbers. And that was actually the most disappointing thing. I, it felt so predictable that I actually didn't like it. Um, other thoughts? Tom? I thought it was okay. I was a little disappointed because he was, yeah, he 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 was acting like he didn't have any agency. Any right, days. exactly. So, and you know, some of the other stuff, getting ready for the wedding was fun. You know, the brother the brother thing kind of got annoying after a while because it was this it was the same it was the same gag played repeatedly. So yeah, yeah. it's a one scene joke for sure. And that's it. I mean, Yusin, do you have any thoughts before we move on? Oh, yeah, I, don't have, I don't have anything really to say I, about this episode. I, I do, because because you guys said this, you said the stuff I wanted to say, so again, I'll focus on some other stuff. Uh, the, you know, the I think what they do do, we all saw it coming, except apparently, you know, the mom. Um, so none of it, uh, and I agree with how you guys, you know, emotionally reacted to it, uh, but I do love how they, um, I, okay, first of all, um, they didn't drag it out. Like, I really was wondering, are they ever going to actually get married, plan the wedding, do it? And so that scene on the park bench about them trying to schedule it and everything, you know, uh, was really fun. And I thought, okay, great. They're not going to make us wait till season three because it's really not that interesting anymore. Are they, are they not? How are they going to get married? Um, so I thought it was adorable when he was handing out the watches, you know, and it really did a great job of reminding us how much we care about each of those characters and how important, important those characters, they're not, sidekicks and they're not just you know what i mean they're not just um 
uh, yeah, what a comic relief. I mean, of course they are, but it's a comedy. So um, I thought that was an excellent way to remind us that he has these really deep, meaningful relationships with these people. So that's lovely. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to say was, oh man, there was something, something specific. Oh, I just thought I thought we I would mention it for funds. Um, the ma the her her auntie, you know, the auntie, which they don't feel focus as much as the uncle. I just thought it was hilarious that she was obsessed with Avengers. And, you know, at the end of the series, when they're flying to Africa to to uh, to pick him back up or fight for him, you know, she's like, Shh, I'm watching Avengers, you know. And so I don't know. I just think the show is a wonderful mix of funny and sweet and, and you know, also poignant. So I, I mean, think I they, I didn't think they did the poignant very well this week. Yeah, no, no, no. I didn't say episode. I meant the series. You know what I mean? Okay. I, I started by saying I agreed with you guys. You know what I mean? Like that was the most disappointing aspect. And Libya, you made a great point. Like to me, his journey, his arc was all about him finding his voice. I mean, he did. They, I think they probably directed him. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he made this choice himself. They did try to direct it as like I'm a hostage. You know, <laughs> with the eyes kind of like help me, mommy. You know what I mean? Like I want to say I don't want to be here but he's standing over me and clearly they've established him to be that kind of father so that's sort of how I read it that he wasn't wishy-washy or non-committal I think that he was a hostage you know what I mean uh, well, I don't know if his you know acting portrayed it but it was fine I didn't yeah. love it but you know well let's I move on we got to keep moving got to keep moving uh next up we're going to talk about uh Superman and Lois and it's been off the air for a month or two and now it's back, and I really was impressed by this episode because a lot has been shown that the that because we have Jonathan and what's the other one's name? Jordan. Jordan. Uh, we spent a lot of time about him getting powers and what it means. And what I really liked in this episode is he's always been like the kid millennial, like, well, you, that's just you, Dad. That's nothing to do with me, and I can do what I want. And I want my freedom. Blah 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 blah. But I really felt in this episode, he finally got it. He, like, finally understood what his father has been trying to tell him the rest of the season. That, you know, it doesn't matter if you're me. It doesn't matter if you're whatever. But I had your same childhood, and I had to deal with it. So this is what I learned, and now you have to deal with it. And when he hurt his brother, it, like, finally got through his skull that he had powers that he needed to control and that it, how important it was to control that. So because all of that kind of came together, I, and, and I was wondering when Jonathan was just going to be done with his twin because he had legitimate reason to be jealous that his brother had powers. He had legitimate reason to be upset that they moved them from the town where he was a superstar. He had legitimate reason to be jealous that his brother joined the football team, which was his thing. Like, all those things were not quite enough to make Jonathan, like, really be upset with his brother. But it was kind of boiling and simmering under the surface. And I love that this was the episode where he was like, you know what? I'm done. Like, I'm done with it. I'm done with you. Um, I might never get my hand back. And it's your fault. And he's right. Like, all those things are true. And every step of the way, Jonathan was like, you need to be more careful. You need to do this. And he was ignoring him. And then Jonathan paid the price for it. So all his anger and everything, it does not feel like a teenage angst. It feels legitimate and earned. So, and it's justified. Yeah, and justified. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm down with it. I thought they did a great job with this episode. Uh, and then I also like that, that they didn't make Lois totally stupid, and she figured out that uh, Luther 
was not who he yeah the the stranger was not who he pretended to be and she figured it out in one pretty much in one episode because the other episode she was like just having coffee and it wasn't like anything that could have given her clues but when they finally like go on this like mission together she very quickly is like okay who the heck are you so i thought that was good too uh your thoughts tom no i thought it was a really strong episode uh i re-watched during the break the uh the producers' cuts of the five episodes that were streaming on HBO Max. How do you watch the producer? Oh, you just have access. No, it's just the 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 cuts that CW airs the day afterwards are the producers' cuts. They're a little bit longer than the air cuts because oh, you know, they've got, mm-hmm. so they they call them producers' cuts. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, continue. But uh, they streamed them on HBO Max during the hiatus. Uh, but um, re-watching the first five episodes and watching this one, no, I, th- I think it's a great show. It's, I wasn't really happy about adding an extra son because in the comics they just have one son, Jonathan. But I can see what they did. And actually, I hope they get around to addressing it because one of the post-crisis changes was the fact that they have two sons instead of one. Right. Uh, just like when Barry screwed with the timeline, you know, Diggle's kid flipped genders. Right. So, but no, I thought it was a strong episode, and I think it's fascinating that the emphasis is really on it's it's a family show dealing with what you know. One of the reasons why I like this take on Superman and Lois is it t- it took its cue from the comics that everybody thinks oh Superman feel boring blah blah blah. Give him teenage kids and all the bets are off because you might be the strongest guy in the world, but you're not the best dad in the world. Right. Uh, him, he and Lois are really trying to give this a go. And uh, the townspeople, they're, they're finally starting to figure out how to integrate the townspeople so they're not just annoying foils. Yeah, I agree. I, I know that uh, Allison does not agree with our opinion, but go ahead. Kid us, Allison. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not completely, you know, a, a 180 degree opposite. I, 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 I liked it. I don't like it as much as you guys do. Um, I, I find anything with teenagers to tax my patience. So, you know, the, the stuff that they've got going with the kid and, and him trying to control his powers, and especially because we know that, you know, it's not just him trying to control his powers. He's being affected by the, the anti-kryptonite or whatever they call it. That's, that's, you know, getting into the town. So that's. Ex uh, whatever it is, the you know the 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 yellow rocks, Go ahead. yellow rocks, yes, the stuff of the week. Um, that's you know that he's being affected by that. So it's it's not just going to be a matter of him trying to be responsible and all of that. We're going to have some te- you know some some sci-fi reason why he's able to get control of it because they'll find out why he's out of control and it'll be this. Um, so th- you know that that stuff didn't thrill me. I did really like all the stuff with Lois and and Luther um, and the fact that she she isn't portrayed like a complete idiot in this and she just, as soon as he started bringing out technology and coming up with, with passes that he couldn't possibly have gotten otherwise she's, she's like, wait a minute okay, you are not who you say you and, are. And I like that she started investigating him. Like, she took a picture of the past and sent it to her friend to do... Mm-hmm. And he was like, when did you... Ha-? I was thinking the same thing. I was like, when the heck did you have time to do that? 
But yeah, I like that. I like that yeah. she was but, investigating. But all things an investigative, everything that an investigative journalist does. Yeah, that's that. That is her yeah. job, and and we're seeing how she does it. And so I really enjoyed that part. I really, I really did. Um, it was also kind of interesting to see when when they shot Superman, him get a little testy too, and and he, you know pulled himself back together that there is something you know there there is a, a rage underneath there well that, i mean i felt like he was all nice guy yeah but i, I mean i felt he was justified to be angry in that moment well yeah you shoot somebody i think they're going to be a little miffed at it so well and um, also it was but, kryptonite but, bullets yeah exactly so yeah i mean this this is potentially lethal to him so you know that's the superman is not a guy you want to piss off necessarily right um, but it did demonstrate the kind of control that he's trying to, to instill in his son. And, and so I like, I liked stuff like that, but, uh, you know, overall it's just, you know, the, the, the dynamics with the kids and their issues and playing football and girlfriends and things like that. It's like, I know it's a CW show, so it comes with the territory, but it's, it, it makes me want to reach for the fast forward button. It really does. Aww. I th- I like that a lot, but okay, well, let's move on to another teenage drama, which is Legacies. Um, and in this episode, we have the fallout from the big, all the big twists that we got last week. And I was really happy, actually, with one, can we get a hallelujah for Landon and, um, and yes. Hope finally breaking up? I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> what does it take? Yeah, and, and I think she saw it coming, which was why she was behaving really weird through the whole episode. She could tell that he was a different person and that he wasn't the Landon that was just enamored with her. And we still haven't found out how much time, how much time did he spend in that other universe? He said a lot of time passed, but he hasn't said how much. I mean, obviously he didn't, he, his hair grew out, but other than that, we don't know if it's years. We don't know how long it's been. It could it could have been fifty years for all we know. Mm. So he's I mean, a you very different it has person. To be exten- yeah, you figure it has to be extensive because he did have such a radical personality change. Yes, so, but in yeah. a good way. I like his new personality. Well, he, he's not such a um, dude so in distress anymore. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, Yusin, go ahead. Oh, uh, I was going to say that, yes, his personality changed radically, and I still don't like him. So (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they could try a third, fourth, fifth time. I mean, that dude, like, dies, he disappears, he melts, he, like, comes back, he, like, I'm just, like, they cannot figure out what to do with him, and none of it works, okay? I'm sorry. Um, And again, I think I gave him some props a few episodes ago. You know, so not to disparage his acting, I feel like when they give him something better to do, I think he rises to the occasion. Um, so, I, and like you, Libya, so glad that they're over. Um, and, you know, I, look, I could go on and on about how it's a waste of a relationship and the a character and the acting, but I'll just switch to Cleo because that was huge. Again, yes. I love the mm-hmm. origin story. Um, so, uh, you know, and I liked how she kept saying, I'm not the villain, I'm not the villain. And I was like, all right, prove it. Let's see how you're going to explain, you know, how you turned out to be the way that you are. And it was great. Yeah. So um, I, I will have to point out, I was very nervous when they went to the African village 
And I was like, oh, that no. I was yeah. like, this what? could go. However, I found out that they picked uh, Bola Ogin. I don't know if I'm saying her last, her, her last name right. But she is Nigerian, and she directed. She's this is her second or third episode of Legacy. She's directed. I worked on her with one or two episodes, so she came back for this episode, and she brought her mom in to be to help them with the languages. And I was like, oh, thank God! <laughs> you know? I mean, that could have gone wrong. Yeah, everything was great except for like I don't know. Was it the backwoods of Atlanta, Georgia? Oh yeah, I absolutely. Mean, they shot it in Atlanta. I was like, yeah. I laughed. I was like, okay, guys. I mean, I'll just give it to you. Whatever, you know? So uh, we don't watch the show for authenticity or realism. So, um, no, but just to keep going on about her, because I think that we haven't talked enough about her. She came on late. She's obviously a pivotal, you know, plot device, whatever point. Um, so I love the young actress, you know, that they got. You oh, know, the they cast a little girl. Well, yeah, yeah. Well played, very, you know, whatever. So anyway, I, I liked all of that um, for me. Um, and I loved, oh my gosh, what was his, um, his, I'll end on this. What, oh God, the other vampire, you know, uh, not M, 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 uh, not MG, Caleb, 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 when, when that scene where Malivore comes back and he's like, oh man, this bee is everywhere. Or you're <laughs> and I was like, that literally for the, he was like reading my mind. Those were verbatim is literally what I said to my, oh man, I was like, Malivore, so that was pretty hilarious for me. And, you know, I, I feel the same way about this episode as I do about the entire series. It's a fun watch. You know, you you know what you're showing up for. They give it to you, and it's fine. And I'm super glad. I don't know what they're going to do with Landon. I suspect he'll be back. Sigh. But, you know, whatever. Well, I mean, they're coming up with the two of them have gone off to figure out how to kill Malivore. So, yeah. obviously, Correct. they're going to come back. Yeah. I know. It was just wishful thinking, Libya. Okay. I'm, I'm actually more interested in Cleo returning than I am Landon. You know, I mean, that's basically it. When they when they teamed up, I thought, oh, good, so we haven't lost Cleo completely. Can so, I, I mean, that was that's my point. Wait, 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 Peter, Peter, go ahead. Is Josie still on the show? Yes. I'm not returning. <laughs> <laughs> Until that Gemini twin is gone, I that that show is dead to me. Like, wow, uh, those are some big words. <laughs> I, I did have a, a I did have a moment of revelation during uh, the, epi- the episode. I don't I I I will agree with either Allison or Yusun who said when they give Arya who plays Landon when they give him decent material he's, he's not bad. Yeah. But the problem is he doesn't get a lot of decent material. And even in this yeah. episode. Because he was basically not talking to her so much, he was just sullen teen. It kind of, you know, I don't know. Right. I, well, I mean, I'm more interested. We should have I, had him permanently play the necromancer. He did that really well. <laughs> I, I'm just interested. That was amazing. I'm interested to see the tougher, colder, more killer version of Landon, and I want to see where yeah. that goes. So. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, next up, we're going to talk about Big Shot, and I'm going to start with Peter on this because, uh, again, he's the one that got me into Big Shot. No, wait. No, that was Tom, actually. I take that back. Sorry, Tom. Uh, <laughs> but I just wanted Peter to get a chance to talk. So Yeah, from... I thought it was Go ahead. I was terrific. I thought it was the, the darkest um, Big Shot they've done yet in that, like, Cameron Mannheim, 
who oh I, my who god, I've seen, who I've just been seeing in the Magicians because I'm 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 on season five of the Magicians and like. I love Cameron Marenheim as an actress and everything, but it's like, oh man, like she is like a, she was a force to be reckoned with as the Carl's bad. Well, uh, not coach. she was just a bully. And, like, she was a terrible person. Yeah, she's such a bully. She's so mean. She was so mean to the assistant coach when she was on the team and cut her. And like, I thought this episode really like it did a good job of showing just how certain you know people and instances can really get under your skin. And you see, not just for Louise, but like. For the whole team, how demoralized they are by the notion of a well, you know, people are boycotting the, the students are boycotting the the games until the Grzynski name is taken down. So there's going to be no home team fans, and then you're not supposed to have fans of the Carlsbad, but they come in anyways. And then Corn loses his cool. Although, look. All he did was tear up a sign. He didn't like throw a chair at the kid. No, or he did it not. It was that big uh, deal. I was like, all right. And, and, like, that, and that's what they pointed out because the evil, I call her the evil teacher. Uh, she yeah. was trying to make it seem like he had had a, a breakdown Hell or something. Yeah. And everybody pointed out like, no, he was just trying to protect a student from a bully. That's all he did. Right. And, yeah. and well, so I, he, was... I don't think he lost his temper at all. No, no. And the, I mean, the only thing that Corn did Actually, the only thing that Corn did that I thought bummed me out, but it's going to be a character thing, is that, you know, he gets kicked out of the game, and then the assistant coach has to take over, and she's fantastic. Like, she right. whips – she is way more, like, when she yells at them. She's in, <laughs> she's more like, in sync with the girls, like, yeah, like, yeah. really – like, but, you know, they win the game, and they – and then at the end, Corn is like, oh, you you know, you shouldn't be uh, – you know, you you had a part in that too. I'm like, dude. Yeah, it was 100 percent her. Like, that was some serious. She won yes. the game. Yeah. I was like, that's all her, dude. I was like, you have to give her respect. I, I'm assuming what they're doing is Cameron Marenheim's big thing is is she's like, look, I'm coming from a place where nobody even cared about girls' high school basketball, and I'll be damned if this guy is going to come in and like. And so I I totally get that, and to say that she's like. You should be the coach of the team. So I'm assuming that's why they put that there, is the sure. corn to be recognized. So I get it. I see where they're going. Um, I just hope that it resolves because I like all these characters. Because right. I was like, oh, I don't want them that to be was fighting. That, yeah, that was his that. negative. I was like, why do you have to be such a jerk? Oh. I, <laughs> I was like, come on, man. Like, Oh, and I will say this also. Um, they didn't say it, but I was watching it, and I thought it was the kind of thing that Libya would say. So one of the so um, one of the teammates signs the petition to take the Grzynski name off of the scoreboard, and Louise is obviously pissed and is like, "Oh my god, I can't believe you betrayed me and everything." And the other girl gets in the car with her aunt, and her aunt I thought was, I mean, her aunt doesn't really know what's going on, but they're somehow talking about the mom. To me, my thing, and this is where I think Libya would agree with me, is I don't think it's wrong. For that, sorry, I don't remember her name. I don't think it's wrong for that character to be like, I don't think his name should be on the scoreboard. I think what's wrong is she didn't tell Louise. Thank she you. That is exactly yeah. what I would say. That's yes, I, I, I would have told her personally. Yes. I would have gone right. to her ahead of time, told yep. her what I thought and what I wanted to do. Exactly. Before, so she wasn't surprised by it. Right. Correct. That was my only thing. I was like, yeah, man, of course you should do what you feel is right. But 
clearly she's your she's your teammate and friend. I was like, you don't see how that's gonna be. Like, you you gotta let her know. Give her a, give her give a her heads up. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, that was my only thing. But no, no, I thought it was a good episode. So yeah, thumbs up. Go ahead, Tom. No, I thought uh, I I was upset with Corn because he didn't give Holly props for the win. Yeah. And I did think it was a powerful moment when Louise decides to sign the petition because she realizes, I mean, the great pep talk he gave her. It's interesting that he's still a bit of a better coach than he is a father. Yeah, that's and true, I too. Think they're going to get around to that because, and I really like the actor who plays the daughter on this show because she really grounds it. Yeah, yeah she um, has a maturity to her, yeah. Yeah. That's a great word, Tom, grounds it. And then um, I loved that he finally started when he and the guidance counselor finally found common ground that he started to open up. I mean, the show's not perfect. And like I said before, it's Kelly's first, you know, Disney type show, but it's interesting how they're able to kind of sneak in some pretty adult, mature aspects. And I love the theater teacher. (laughs) Oh my gosh. She is so forward, but it's like, she just brings a bit of chaotic energy. Yes. But also because she's so different for him. You can see how that relationship could theoretically work. Right. All right, Yusun, go ahead. Oh, um, yeah, I'll keep it quick. Uh, everything everybody said, except um, I hate to be the Debbie Downer. Um, I didn't love the episode. I agree with everything. But I didn't love the episode because as much as I, and I've always been a fan of Cameron Manheims, especially on The Practice. She killed it. Um, and a huge fan of David Kelly's. I, you know, I just thought it was too over the top. And, you know, and it was really not only unconvincing, but like uncomfortable in a way that wasn't funny. Like, I just thought it was too much it was like a caricature of so to me that took away the powerfulness of what the message was because i thought she was just over the top so i didn't like that um but the thing about peter and the telling the friend all of it so i here's what i'll just say in to keep it short i have grown to like the show uh and and tom said it you know it's it's you know kelly's first kid show this and that it's not a great show for me, but um, I like the the lead daughter. She she grounds it. Uh, you know, I you know I could just ramble, so I won't. I, I will say that uh, I think this episode actually was one of the weaker ones for me, which I it, clearly it wasn't for you guys, um, because I just I the villain like she was it was unbelievable. Then she you know they try to rescue it by saying why she's so angry, you know, and then and then softens that by saying you could make a great coach, and so I understand the journey the arc uh, peter talked about you know she's going to come into her own and then be able to be a head coach like that's obvious which is fine um yeah i just i really i want to like the show more than i do but i don't hate the show that's pretty much all i can say (laughs) all right next up we're going to talk about uh mythic quest and this episode was kind of a weird split because the stuff with Ian, Ian, sorry, with Ian and the tester, and I don't remember what her name is, the just them being trapped in that car and everything about the car was Rachel. hilarious. Rachel? Yeah. Yeah. All of that was really funny. I love the bit where he's given her so much, he's given Poppy so much crap because she doesn't know how to drive the Porsche, and he's following her to get there just so he can take over and drive the Porsche, and then find out he can't drive the Porsche because he doesn't know how to drive stick. And then he has to have Rachel drive the car for him. So they're, they're basically in the car together for the whole episode. All of their stuff is fantastic. Like, I really just enjoyed their whole conversation. On the other hand, trying to humanize Brad was problematic. 
I didn't buy it. Like, if that's... Like, I didn't believe that the Brad that we've seen for two seasons or a season and a half resembles the Brad that we see in this episode at all. Like, I was like, who's this guy? And I just... And then they're like, they introduce a more evil brother. I was like, nah. I don't, I don't yeah, buy that I don't, at all. Go ahead, Yeah, Peter. and, I, and I, I really hope that they nip these, this thing in the butt of like, oh, he's going he's gonna to buy the... Co- He's gonna buy the company and then and then gut it. And I'm like, right? Is that gonna be the season two dilemma? I was like, I hope that's not true. Um, I mean, it's it's not it's not insane to say when you have a character like Brad who seems evil. Perhaps the reason he's evil is there's actually somebody worse than him. That's actually not like. But I his character it, change is so why that would work. Like, just, like yeah, yeah, I but just, the character that he tries to be in this episode in contrast to his brother, just doesn't even resemble the Brad that we've seen at all. It, it felt abrupt. Yes. Right. However, I will say, going back to the original thing, I love the scene with... I mean, first of all, I love that Ian can't drive a Porsche. I think that's... <laughs> um, that's but I, I mean, the, to me, the heart of the episode is is Ian and um, Rachel, who he keeps calling Tester until the end. I, kept, I started calling her Tester, too. Like, yeah, yeah. His speech about... Look, you're you're totally right. Like me being, you know, a, uh, a white male in this in this industry, give me a leg up. And I was in the elevator with the boss, and like I gave him probably 15 ideas, and then he's like, "This is the elevator. We are stuck in the car together." And she has nothing, like yep. you know, like. But I thought that was really good, and yeah, I thought, I think the thing about Rachel that's great is that she's the character exactly of her age that she can completely complain about systemic problems which are all valid however as her own person and her own agency i don't think she's figured that out yet so it's like well what do you want to do in the game industry do you want to be a writer do you want like what does that mean and she doesn't know um but i that stuff was great i just yeah i agree the what we would call them the a plot about brad i was like meh that was all right all right tom But 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 the payoff was when joe is in the elevator with brad's brother and she knows exactly what to do. In the oh, elevator, yeah. yes. yes totally, so totally. She's think, always been ambitious, though. She's always been ambitious, but I thought that was, I thought that was an interesting con- con- ugh, contrast between her and um, Rachel. Yeah. Even also, Rachel- no one wants to talk about Snoop Dogg? <laughs> that was good. <laughs> that was, yeah, that that was, was fun. fun. I even watched the whole credit sequence. Oh, yeah. Yep. That, was, that was pretty good, too. The shizzle. Uh, <laughs> all right let's move on uh next up we're going to talk about the blacklist which i don't think we've talked about at all this season well we may have talked about the premiere at the very beginning of the season but i dropped off because i thought it was getting goofy but then i had like a marathon where i watched like 10 episodes in like two days and so now i'm caught up yay the blacklist so allison you've been chopping at the bit to talk about this show for several weeks. So you can just hit the high points. What are the points that you want to talk about specifically? Okay, well, I don't know about chomping at the bit. The thing is that the show, uh, you know, the, the Blacklist, I've, I've, I've got kind of a love-hate relationship. Basically, I love everything that has to do with James Spader, and I hate everything else. Um, but the, what made the most recent episodes so good is that for inexplicable reasons... 
the, 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 the show still hasn't said anything about for like a good, I don't know, eight episodes, maybe eight, seven, eight episodes. Yeah. Liz completely disappeared, just vanished. And that instantly increased the quality of the show <laughs> by a factor of about a thousand. Um, so it was it was basically all red all the time, and that was and that was great because that's what I tune in for. Oh, so I have to say the oh the Dembe red episode was really good too. Yes, I also think, well you know, that's the thing that you know what what's great about the blacklist. I mean, and it makes me feel like they have two different sets of writers for everything has to, having to do with red, and then everything has to do with everybody else. But you know, red and Dembe, and occasionally also the 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 people that that red deals with you know the part of his gang or his connections like the the widow of uh um glenn who, who that's just, his mother that's not his widow that's his widow that's I'm not pretty, his mother i thought that was his mother no I'm that pretty. is his okay, widow fine. That's, that's his widow and he um the thing is they they as I was wondering how they were going to replace him because he's such a unique actor and he brought, you know, some very strange and wonderful yeah. vibes to yeah. the to the, the character. And the the woman who plays his wife is so hilarious. She's absolutely a gem. And it's characters like that that I you know, that are great to watch. And watching Red's interaction with them is is fantastic. So that's basically what we've gotten in the absence of Liz for, for well, most of the I episodes. still want to go back and talk about Dembe and Red, which we still didn't do. Which is the okay. episode where he Dembe gets captured and they torture him to give up Red and he won't do it. And what I thought was really interesting is the torturer was like, do you think he cares about you? Does he feel your pain? Does he understand, you know, what you're going through? And she, she has like some semi-valid points, but she doesn't, re she doesn't understand Dembe and Red's relationship at all. Hardly anybody does. And mm -hmm. so the fact that Red is like, oh, you have Dembe, I'll totally give up myself if you'll release Dembe. And everybody was like, what? Isn't he just like the help? What are you doing? And... That's not what Dembe is. And I, what I really, really liked was when it was all over and Dembe has escaped and then he comes back for Red and he comes to save him. And the first question that Red has is, do I, not, do I ignore your pain? Do I not understand your pain? And Dembe was like, no, you don't. And I was just like, wow. Like, just their relationship is so deep as compared to everybody else's that I could just watch a show with just the two of them. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Mm -hmm. So that moved me more. That was my favorite moment of all of these episodes that we just saw. Yeah, no, that was, that was, I think, well, we've seen before that red rescued Dembe when he was uh, just a kid. So Dembe has grown up around red and, and is the only one I think who really knows may, uh, maybe with the exception of two other people, um, all the secrets. secrets are right, yeah, right exactly and and you know that's a that's that's very rarefied air uh to be breathing because the only people who, who seem to have those kinds of secrets are the people who absolutely will not give it up and and so you know that kind of there's there's this this relationship that sort of transcends it's it's almost it's almost familial um, between Dembe and, and Red. That's, that's well, fantastic. I absolutely believe that either one of them would 
completely die for the other one. Like, oh, I, yeah. don't, I don't have oh, a doubt absolutely. in my mind that not only would Dembe die for Red, Red would absolutely die for Dembe. Yeah. So, yeah. And and this is in marked contrast to Liz, who I don't think would die for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe her recent... daughter, she would die for her, her daughter. daughter. Her daughter is pretty much it. And 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 um, who, who she thought was her mother, possibly. But it, it's it was telling in this most recent episode um, that when the hitman had killed her entire team and she got, she got him in the car at the end and he pointed out that he had killed everyone in her team. And he said, well, I killed all your friends, didn't I? Uh, they are, they were your friends, weren't they? And she hesitates for a moment. She goes, they were people. Really? And, and, and that was like, and it told me everything about, I don't know whether she's always been like this, but it certainly is where she is psychologically now, where she is just so focused on what it is she wants, what it is she thinks she needs, that she really doesn't care about anything else, else or anybody right. else. These are people who literally would would have and did take a bullet for her right. and, and would not give her up even when they were dying on the floor. And, and, she would not even call them her friends at the end. Um, she got a lot of people killed in this last episode who, who I just had the feeling she did not feel similar sense. I of think attack. she felt bad about her sister. Bad, but I mean, you know, she'll get over it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not a Liz fan. I'm really not. And I think, I think the, the, the one thing that I did like about this is that the FBI weren't trying to to put her back on the team again? It's, I think this like we're arresting you because you're a fugitive and a criminal, and um, I and I understood also Red's perspective of trying to talk Harold into handing him over to him. Um, that wasn't going to happen, but he was realistic about one thing, saying when he was telling Harold, you know, she's not going to be reformed. She's not going to be, she's never going to be an FBI agent again. And she's never even going to be uh, a regular citizen again. Um, that's, we've, we've gone beyond yeah. that territory. Like you said, they so, passed the Rubicon. Exactly. So I, I'm, I'm interested to see what happens as far as that's concerned. You know, normally it frustrates the hell out of me with the show, with what people are able to get away with and still end up as, you know, functioning members of the FBI. Um, and and so I'm just I, I'm I think that we we finally reached the point where they're not doing that anymore. At least I hope so. Um, but we'll see, we'll see. All right, wrapping that up, I'm giving it a thumbs up. I mean, I'm I'm back on the train. So, all right, next up we're gonna talk uh, Bad Batch, and this was episode four, and this was this the thing is now that we're four episodes in. It feels like season one of The Mandalorian, which is every yeah. week we go on a venture and it's very different and let's yeah, go on a supply run and get supplies. But then there's a complication and a, and a hitman trying to kill us. Like, oh, I mean, uh, it, it's it, it, a hit woman. Yes. And but it really felt like it, re, it really felt like an episode of The Mandalorian where everybody's trying to get baby Grogu, Grogu. And I was like, wow, have we watched this already? Like, it really felt very familiar. All right, go ahead. You guys talk. Although it was great seeing, hearing Ming-Na's voice and realizing she's playing her character from Mandalorian. Yes, she is. Yeah, I got that. Cool. That was 
Well, was, isn't cool. isn't this like supposed to be something like twenty years earlier? She doesn't so, age. I mean... Leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs> She's immortal. She's too cool to age. Yeah. Well, but... If we're talking about Mingna, I want to just say this. Um, she it's animated, and I give them props because she vaguely looked well. She looked more than vaguely Asian. Because I have a real beef with like. Uh, the anime, I know from the, you know, at Japanimation and, and all of that, you know, because the Japanese are obsessed with the American look, whatever, that, you know, they, their own Asian characters don't really look Asian. But yeah, um, you know, when I, well, yeah, you know, and I was just like, because they love round eyes. I get it. That's a Japanese thing. Uh, Koreans want folds in their eyelids. Everybody's got a thing. But for me, it's really annoying. I mean, all we talk about is representation, this and that. And I was like, can that extend to the animated world, please, too? So if you're going to give me a clearly Asian character. Um, so, but I'll just, I'll get in and out on this one. Uh, because ditto. I, you know, I am so disappointed. I dislike this episode even more because like you said it's the fourth episode in and it's a hundred percent mandalorian and i loved the pilot so much and it was an hour and a half so to me it was like a movie and i'm kind of thinking of that way i was like wow that was a great movie i saw a few weeks ago and now i'm just watching animated version of mandalorian so you guys say whatever you want to show i'm in but like i'm very disappointed yeah, I no, I know. I, I feel. I know what you feel about it because I. I thought that we were going to explore territory that we hadn't, you know, gotten into before, which is the beginnings of the empire, and they are touching on that in little ways, and what happened to all the clone troopers, and you know, things like that. Um, and and I thought we were going to explore that more with these, and instead, like you said, this is just the Mandalorian rehashed. Um, I, I, you know, so I. It's like, yeah, they had nice action sequences and funny stuff with the droids and all of that was great. But it's it just otherwise feels like we're running in circles and we're we're retreading the same kind of, you know, stuff we've done. It is beautiful, though. I will say that I noticed on on multiple occasions that the animation is gorgeous. Oh, it is. And especially the set designs and things like that are absolutely beautiful. As they're as good as any of their live action stuff. Yep. Yeah. All right. Is anybody else before we move on? Oh, Tom, nope. you have no comment about the Mandal about. Uh, I almost called it the Mandalorian. <laughs> uh, see, been there, done that. Yeah. All right. That's all we got to say. Uh, it, it is kind of crappy that we ended on a, such a downer note, but uh, that's all we have for this week. So, if you have any questions or comments, send them to tvcampfire at gmail dot com. Follow us on Twitter, sci-fi.radio, Weenopolis, and iTunes. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye-bye.